Finally, be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. Let's pray. My Father, Lord, thanks for your word. Well, thanks for the help of your word and the hope that we have in you. Lord, I pray that you would humble us and you just help us to surrender everything over to you. Well, thanks for the chance to gather at the beginning of a week to be together to hear your word. I pray that you just use your word right now to speak to us, to teach us from your word. Help us to stand against the evil one. Lord, I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts will be acceptable to you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. It should have been a very easy victory. In 1415, the English army under Henry V was marching across the northern part of France as part of the Hundred Year War, and they got to Agincourt, and English troops had been worn down. They had no food. They were tired. They were exhausted, and there was very few of them, and they came up against the French who had thousands of troops, and they, there was a big standoff, and so the French... Um, waited and waited, and English was getting hungrier and hungrier and wet and tired, and so they charged a little bit, and they moved forward, and the French saw that, and they thought, okay, it's time to go, and they took off and charged after them, but the ground in front of them was all wet. It was all uh, tore up by the horses, and they, the French just slogged through it. And the, uh, the, the English were able to use their archers, which is really all they had, and they destroyed the French. The French lost 8,000 men, and England only lost 100. It was a major turning point. They should have won, but they assessed the situation completely wrong. Our assessment of a situation is never completely clear. And if we're not cognizant of that reality, we will only compound life's problems and our situations. That's the concern of why we're spending the next few weeks on sin, Satan, and temptation. Because our, we don't assess things properly. And if we don't understand why we don't assess things clearly, we are in trouble. Last week we looked at the seriousness of sin. And Exodus chapter 34 just showed us that sin, which is part of the major plot line of the Bible, is tied to very important things that God reveals about himself. We saw that sin is pervasive. Nothing good was gained when humanity fell. Sin's active. It's done by people thinking, they're planning, they're doing what God prohibits and a failing to do what he commands. It's rebellion. Sin's missing the mark. Sin's relational. Sin spreads. I mean, it, it hurts individuals. It hurts people's groups. It hurts nations. It's pervasive. Every person and every portion of your life has been and is affected and damaged by sin. And sin is deadly. The Bible says that the payment of sin is death. It kills wherever it goes. 
and it brings physical death. And apart from the grace of God, it brings spiritual death and eternal punishment. Sin is, though, tied very much to the work of Satan, which means that our struggle to assess life and to figure things out is not just about human brokenness and depravity, which sin demonstrates, but it's also a cosmic battle. There's there's a demonic dimension to why we can't assess our situations and our problems correctly. And so we need to look at sin, which is in us. It's part of our nature, but we also have an enemy who uses sin and can call it out of us and tries to get us And it affects how we assess our lives and assess our situations. The situation with dealing with sin. C.S. Lewis, who wrote a great little book called, um, which I can't remember right now, uh, but he wrote a great, called The Screwtape Letters, uh, was a story about two demons. And from the perspective of demons affecting the world, at the beginning of C.S. Lewis's book, which he said after he wrote it, he was just exhausted. He was tired trying to think of it. It's it's hard to think about evil, and it's hard to think about uh, the depravity and the depth of evil. And C.S. Lewis, at the beginning of his book, Screwtape Letters, he said this, humanity falls into two equal and opposite errors concerning the the devil. Either they take him altogether too seriously, or they did not take him seriously enough, which is still true today. You can go on an extreme version and think everything is Satan. Whatever happens to you, that's Satan. Satan's under every rock, every situation in your life. It's Satan's right there. Or you can just completely ignore him and act as if he doesn't exist. And the reality is Satan would like you to choose either one of those. He would enjoy it if you thought everything was about him. And he would enjoy it if you thought nothing was about him. The problem with that is much, many people in our culture for years have denied that Satan is even real. And you may know people that just doubt it. They just think, well, it's a lower part of your brain if you believe in Satan. You're just not, you're just not sophisticated enough to believe in Satan. The problem with that is that the modern explanations for terror, for racism, for mass crime... And all these explanations that if we just teach people better, it's their psychology, if we had better situations for them, these things wouldn't take place. Those arguments are falling apart. People are looking at the world and the, 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 the old explanations of why there's these things, it's falling apart. The Bible says that what we are fighting is a real evil one, a real devil a real Satan. So the question is, what are we fighting? How does the evil one work? How should we fight? So in Ephesians chapter 6, Paul was writing to a group of Christians who are in real life situations, going through real struggles. That's what the whole book of Ephesians is about. And he comes to the end of it and he says, finally, be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. Put on your whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. So we need to know that we're in a war. We need to know that you have an enemy, and you need to know your victory and how to act in your victory. But first of all, know you are at war. It says this, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, which means this, we wrestle. 
We are in a spiritual battle. If you feel it or if you don't feel it, there is a real spirit, there's a real battle going on that you are in that will last from now until you die and go into eternity. We, 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 that's what the Bible says. He, he says we, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but we wrestle. There's a battle going on. Something's just not right and it's cosmic. It's not just individual. It says it's a spiritual, it's invisible though. It's a spiritual battle, he says. We wrestle not with flesh and blood, but against spiritual principalities and powers, things that we can't see. There's, there's this invisible battle going on with us, but it's very intense. I mean, it's in your face. When you wrestle, it's not like you, you can do it for a few minutes and then you take a break and watch it happen over here. It's not like baseball or your right field. I mean, the game's going on. You can, you can be picking daisies and still be a part of the game. That's not how wrestling is. I, I wrestled in college for about two years. Never wrestled before. I got to college in a club team. Um, won three times. Uh, and, but I got beat a lot as well because it is intense. It's absolutely intense. There's no hesitation. I mean, when you wrestle, when it's go time, it's go. And that's how the Bible describes this. We wrestle. It's intense. It's in your face. The spiritual battle that we are in, this war that we are in, and ignoring it will, relate, will result in spiritual implosion because it says it's part of this present darkness. It's spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places, and they are involved in your life. And listen, if we aren't aware of that, if you aren't consciously aware that you are in a war that's invisible, it's spiritual, it's intense, and you can't ignore it, you'll, you'll implode your life. This is why people start to say, hey, my Christian life is, it's a little, I just feel like I'm sliding. I just feel like it's a little boring. I feel like I'm in a rut, or it's routine, or if it's sleepy. I feel if those If those things are said about you, if you've had those experiences, there should be major red flags to you that, hey, something's not right with me. I'm not recognizing that I'm in a spiritual battle because we are surrounded by spiritual forces. Because if you are aware of that and consciously aware that, hey, the reason I feel boring in my life, the reason my faith is in a rut spiritually is because I'm under attack by spiritual forces who don't want me to know God. If you're aware of that, there is no boringness about it. it. It's a fight then. When you start to feel those things, it's a fight to say, this isn't right, this is not the way I want to be. But too many people will say, hey, I'm, I'm just kind of in a rut spiritually. It's a little sleepy right now. I think it's a church. I think it's music's not very good anymore. The worship's kind of weak. It kind of feels dull right now. And, and I'm just going to stay here until something happens and wakes me up you got to know you're in a war. Thomas Brooks, who was a great Puritan pastor about 200 years ago, wrote a book called Precious Remedies Against Satan's Devices. And he said this, to, to know we are in a war, you have to be aware of it. And because of that, Christ, the Scripture, your own hearts, and Satan's devices are the four prime things that should be first and most studied and searched. Jesus Christ, the scriptures, your own hearts, and Satan devices are the four prime things that should be first and most studied and searched. We have to know we are in a war. We are so weak, and we so easily start to fade, and we so easily get distracted, and Satan loves it. He, but he says, 
Paul says, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. But even though we see it, it's, it's not that we are, we see these things happen by flesh and blood. People do these types of evils. People gather to promote racism on weekends like this weekend because they are fulfilling what Satan wants them to fulfill. It's still evil. And we're not wrestling. There's a flesh, there's a real person that is against that, but it's behind that, a deeper spiritual evil. The Bible says, and we have to fight against it. We have to know we are in a war against it. And it is a constant battle. But we are very weak. But we have help. And that's why Paul wrote the book of Ephesians, to help us know this. We have to know we are in a war. You are in a fight. And then you have to know your enemy. The reason that France lost at the Battle of Agricart is they didn't know their enemy well. They, they didn't have good reconnaissance in the situation. So we are called to know our enemy. The Bible is full of references to Satan. Nine times in the Old Testament he's mentioned, and every New Testament writer speaks of Satan. It, it's almost you, you can't be a Christian and not believe really in Satan. It's all over the Bible. It's all over. He's all over. The, the names that the Bible talks about our enemy is the devil, the accuser, the adversary, Beelzebub, Belial, the dragon, the god of this world, the prince of the power of the air, the serpent, the tempter, Satan, the evil one. Twelve times in the New Testament, Satan is described as the evil one. He is the chief enemy, and he's a, of Christians, of God. He is the chief enemy, and he is a ruler of a host of fallen angels. The Bible doesn't necessarily describe how Satan, who is a created being, he's not equal with God. The Bible doesn't describe how Satan fell. There is hints in 1 Timothy 3.6 that it was pride that caused Satan out of his free will to reject God and to fall. Colossians 1.15 talks about that. But he was a created being. That's a key truth we have to know. He's not equal with God. He's not greater than God. Job says that he's under God's authority still. But he is our enemy. And he's much more powerful than we are. He's had years of experience with humanity. And he knows how humans work and think. And the Bible says he's got three, three major roles that Satan does. He is... A tempter, the one that most, the most familiar with Satan is our tempter. He entices us to sin. Some people want to blame everything on Satan for their faults and for their sins. The reality is, the, the Bible says in James, out of the evil desires of your heart you sin. But Satan knows how to draw those things out. He, he puts a temptation out there. He, know, he knows how to draw those out of you. He knows how to agitate it and, and to get it to come out. And he's got an he's got organized host of fallen created beings who he is able to, it seems like, very organized way, control and lead and use against Christians and humanity. He, he's the tempter. And the Bible describes three areas. When you read the New Testament, there are three areas that stand out where Satan is tempting people. Sexuality. In 1 Corinthians chapter 7, very specifically, our anger in Ephesians chapter 4, and unforgiveness 
in 2 Corinthians chapter 2. Those are very specific. You go back and read those. It's very specific. This is how directly related to Satan. You're, so he's constantly tempting us in many ways, but he's, he's very much a tempter. He's a tempter. He's a deceiver. In John chapter 8, Verse 44, Jesus says, You are of your father the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Satan is, his role is a tempter, He's, his role is a deceiver, he is a liar. And the father of lies. And he is afflictor. He just afflicts people. Some people in Luke chapter 13, some people's health issues were related directly to Satan doing that. He afflicts people with persecution all across the world. He's with Christians, even today, who aren't able to gather with us. It's all part of this highly organized, cosmic invisible battle that we are in, and the leader of it is Satan. But the, Satan's number one thing, above all this, his number one thing of being a tempter, a deceiver, an afflictor, is that he is a liar. He does not speak the truth. And he, he lies to us all the, the time. He gets you to want us, and he gets us, he wants to bruise us. He wants to take Christians and just beat them down and bruise them and lie to them and say all these things against us. And he will do it by getting you to question the truths of the promises of God. He, he just constantly wants you to ask, really? Did God really say that? Is that really true? Can you really read the promises of God and say that's true and hold to them? Satan wants you to, to doubt it. And he's constantly trying to lie to you and say, no, you can't really trust God. You can't really believe. He, he wants us to doubt the promises of God. He tries to get you to doubt the truth of your salvation. If you're genuinely a follower of Jesus Christ and your life is going that direction, not just some decision that you made. Satan wants you to, to say, hey, you don't really, you're not really a Christian, are you? You don't feel saved. And he wants you to believe that your feelings are first. Faith is the foundation. And then the feelings follow. And Satan's constantly trying to get us to doubt these things. Or he lies to you and tells you that, hey, no child of God could be like you. I mean, you're so weak in faith. I mean, you're, you're so corrupt. You're prayerless. You're hard-hearted. I mean, you're just foolish. How can you be a Christian? How can you really be a child of God? He wants to lie to you. And let me just say for our church specifically, I think in middle-class America, Midwest kindness, living church out in the cornfields, I mean, how quaint can it get? People walk in here every Sunday and they see nice people and Satan lies to them and many of to you and says, man, these people seem to have it together. I, I don't have it together. I, I must be doing life wrong. Something must be right because they all come in here. They, they sit nice. They talk nice. They, they hang out nicely together. Then they go home and I feel like I'm a complete mess. They all look like it they've got it together. Have you ever felt that way? People do it all the time. I hear about it all the time. 
That's a lie from Satan. We are all in a battle. We're all struggling. And he wants you to believe that, hey, you, you can't be a child of God, that you are too weak in faith, that you're corrupt. It's a lie. We are all in a battle. And we all walk in here limping in on Sundays. And hopefully, by being together, by hearing the word of God, by worshiping together, we're built up just a little bit more, line upon line, just a little bit more to carry us through. But don't walk in here. Look around and say, man, I've had a bad week, and look at everybody else is just smiling and happy. What do you expect people to do? Just come in and realize it's a lie from Satan that he's trying to get you to believe. He's a liar. He tries to take you back into your system of life before Christ where he starts to say, amen, all those things that you gave away, all those things that you recognized were sin when you became a Christian and you said, I'm, I'm going to turn and not do those things, he's going to come, keep coming back and say, hey, man, what did what, you do that for? It's not so bad. That wasn't such a bad thing. Or your old friendships or your old dreams and ambitions. After a while, Satan's, he loves to say, hey, fine, give it up for a while. I'll let it lay low and I'll let you think that it doesn't really affect you. And then boom, He'll bring it back. He just, he's a constant liar. Satan blinds the eyes, the Bible says, of those outside of Christ, and he tries to shade the eyes of those who are in Christ. 2 Corinthians 2.11 says, so that we would not be outwitted by Satan. We are not, we, we, we don't have to be outwitted by Satan. So that we would not be outwitted by Satan, for we are not ignorant of his designs. Part of knowing your enemy is knowing who he is. I mean, he's a liar. He's a tempter. He's a deceiver. He's an afflictor, but also knowing his strategies. So not, we're not naive or outwitted by Satan. We don't have to be ignorant of his de designs. The Bible says that Satan has strategies or these fiery darts that he's trying to afflict us with. He's trying to get us with the fiery darts of the wicked. When, what, what are those? He's actively looking and knowing you. He's, he can't read your mind, but he knows humanity. He knows how people are. He's had thousands of years to deal with humanity. In, in Thomas Brooks' book, Precious Remedies Against Satan Devices, which was written about 200 years ago, which I have a copy of, it, it, he, he takes this idea and he says, hey, these are some of the the remedies or the riles or the strategies that Satan uses to attack people. He says, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but we wrestle against rules and authorities and against the cosmic powers of his present darkness. And, and these strategies that he uses, and he wrote a whole book about it, and he wrote all these strategies down and remedies on how to fight them. And he's got devices that Satan uses to draw you into sin. He's got like 60 or 70 of them of different areas, some devices how to draw you into sin, devices to keep you from being fully devoted to God, devices to keep your, in, you in sadness and doubting and questioning. He uses strategies for the wealthy. He's got strategies for the poor. I mean, here, here's, I'm just going to give you a list of some of the strategies and see, hey, uh, that's happened to me. This is a strategy that Satan uses. This was written 200 years ago, and it's still true to us. Part of a strategy that Satan uses to draw you into sin is he will present the bait and hide the hook. You know this? 
He'll present the bait and say, hey, try this. Just try it once. One time's not going to hurt. And he gets you hooked because he presented a really nice picture, but inside there was a deadly hook that's going to snag you. And some of you, for many years, have still struggled with the hook in your mouth and trying to get the hook out of your mouth. And all of us actually have. That's a strategy of Satan. He presents God as one of mercy only and not of justice. It's like, come on, just go on, keep sinning, it's okay. I mean, God's loving. He'll forgive you. And he will say, hey, this is, this is, just view God this way so it doesn't matter how you live. And forgets, and he never shows you that God is a God of justice. And he is angry with the wicked every day, the Bible says. Or he says he gets you to compare yourself with someone whose ways are much worse. Have you ever done that? I'm not as bad as that guy. I mean, I showed up. Uh, how bad can I be? I know all kinds of people who wouldn't be here at church on Sunday. And this is his strategy. He wants us just to compare ourselves to someone whose ways are worse. Or he presents obedience to God as a path of pain and difficulty. He's like, just, if you follow God, look how hard it's going to be, so don't do it. Or, to keep you fully devoted to God, he presents the world in a way that takes up all your time and interest. Or just so much going on. I, I can't spend any time with God. I can't pause. That's his strategy. He wants you to be so busy that you can't take your time and interest. Or he presents Christianity without any responsibility on your part. Jesus paid it all. Satan would 100% agree with you on that if he could get you to buy the other part. Jesus paid it all, so live however you want because then you don't understand what it means that Jesus paid it all. There is a responsibility on us as Christians how we live. Satan can take scripture and twist it and just give you enough of it to kill you with, the Bible says. Or he distracts you in your pursuit of God and spiritual practices. You sit down to pray, and every possible problem in the world pours into your brain. Or you plan it to read your Bible, and you can't find your Bible. Or you get something happens. He, he's constantly tormenting us with all these distractions. But it's Satan's strategy. He gets you to rest in your past service. I'm 55 years old. I've served in the church. I've served. I've witnessed. It's now my time to kick back and relax. I've done my part. It's somebody else's time. That's a strategy of Satan who wants to keep you from being fully devoted to God. Or he presents your difficulties as a sign that God's against you. See, if God really loved you, he wouldn't let you go through this. It's a strategy of Satan. Or he gets you to focus more on your sin and your failure instead of on Jesus Christ where you just feel so beat down that you say, I, I, God can never use me. I've already gone into the hole too much. It's no use. I've tried, I've tried. I can't get up anymore, so I'm just going to stay in the hole. That's, that's a lie from Satan that he wants to use against you to keep you sad, depressed, angry, frustrated, and just not, not doing the will of God for your life. And he always suggests that you've fallen too far and you can never have help. I think we have all have experienced some of that if you're Christians. And we need to know that those are strategies that Satan gives. And that's just one. And if you conquer one, he's got a, a whole other more that he's going to throw at you. He's constantly throwing these things out. And we, we have to know we're in a war. 
spiritually. And we have to know our enemy and know his devices and know how he's trying to constantly trick us. He's a liar. And he constantly is lying to us so we don't assess our lives or situations correctly. And we have to be aware of it. But is there any hope for us? There is. We can know and act in our, ver- our victory. Paul said at the end of this, he says, finally be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. And he just uses an illustration of the armor of God, which we're not going to look at today, but he just says, be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might so that you may be able to stand. The way that you know your victory and the way you act your victory so you cannot be tripped up by Satan's devices, which we all struggle with. There's not anybody in this room who does not struggle with this or isn't being attacked by this. I mean, I'm, I'm preaching above my reality. To, this is my reality. This is the struggle I go to, but we, this is the hope that we have. We, we have to know your weakness. To know your victory, you have to know your weakness. You have to admit and realize, you know what, th- this is an area where I am tempted. I'm very weak in this area. I'm not strong here. So I need to set my life in areas where I know I'm weak to be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. So you've got to know your weaknesses and see and figure out where is Satan messing with me and what triggers does he use? What, what draw, does he draw these weaknesses out of me? And then you need to know your gospel armor, which is Jesus. Be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Satan wants you to access life and your circumstances in two ways. He wants you to always, as a Christian, be crushed by sin or be content in your sin. He'll take either one. That's what he's constantly trying to do with us. He wants us just to say, he wants, for some people, they, they get so crushed by their sin that they think God can't love them anymore. They don't know what to do. They doubt God. They're so frustrated. They can't figure things out. How can this be? This is not the way I thought my Christian life was supposed to go. And Satan's loving it. He loves it when he keeps people crushed by their sin. Or people just content with their sin. I'm as, I'm as much spiritually strong as I need to be. I'm good. I've read some books. I've watched a few Right Now Media videos. i got it under control. I don't need to deal with other things. And he'll crush us. But what we are called to do is consider Christ. Be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. Consider Christ. Not just think about him, but really consider Jesus Christ. Consider who you are in Christ. In all the New Testament, the Apostle Paul never uses the word Christian. When you read the Apostle Paul, he always talks about a follower of Jesus Christ, a Christian, as one who is in Christ, which means we have crucified ourselves. We are in Christ. Our hope is in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. We have humbled ourselves and found our hope in him, and we consider Christ who is in us. It's our only hope. He is the one who conquered Satan. Satan's situation right now is currently defeat. Genesis 3 says that he will bruise our head and God would crush. Satan will bruise our heel and God would crush his 
head. When Jesus went to the cross, he didn't just die for our sins. Jesus went to the cross and he destroyed and beat Satan. Colossians 2.13 says, By canceling the record of debt that stood against us with legal demands, this he set aside, nailing it to this cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. And Hebrews chapter 2, verses 14 and 15 says, Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood Jesus, he himself likewise partook of the same things, that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is, the devil, and deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. When Jesus went to the cross, he was victorious. He was Christ the victor over Satan. Satan thought he was going to win, but Jesus went to the cross and he triumphed over over Satan and he defeated him. Satan is the leader of an organization that's got its head chopped off. But Satan is still moving around. He is a defeated enemy who is still ticked off royal and he's trying to take out as many people as he can and cause as much havoc in the process as he can. Andy and Jenny Smith, who are in Indonesia, have snakes everywhere. And a few months ago, they found a snake and they chopped its head off. And after that snake had its chopped its head off, for 10 minutes they put it in a plastic bag and that snake whipped and whipped and, went and, and, and moved around for 10 straight minutes before it was finally dead. When you think of what Jesus did for us on the cross, when Jesus went to the cross, he was our Christus victor and he crushed Satan, he cut his head off. He's defeated. The battle is over, but Satan's not done. He's like that snake who's still moving around, trying to take out as many people as he possibly can. But Romans chapter 16, verse 20 says this, The peace of God will soon crush Satan under your feet. Which means, in your fight against sin, if you know you're in the battle, if you know your enemy, and you are considering and acting in Christ, in his strength, as you resist temptation, as you say no, as you become more aware of the battle, as you live and devote yourself to God, literally, Satan is being crushed under your feet, and we are standing. We're not wobbling wrong. Paul says, be strong in the Lord and this power of his might, so that you can stand, therefore. Standing Firm. Satan, as we resist, who is defeated but still fighting, we crush Satan under our feet. And his ultimate defeat is to be forever separated from God in torment in hell, in the lake of fire. And the call to us is to resist and stand. The Bible says, if we draw near to God, he will draw near to us, humble ourselves, and Satan will flee from you. You'll be able to stand, and Satan will be being crushed under your feet. So the hymn that Martin Luther wrote is so great. And though this world with devils filled should threaten to undo us, we will not fear. For God hath willed his truth to triumph through us. The prince of darkness, grim. We tremble not for him. His rage we can't endure. For lo, his doom is sure. 
One little word shall fell him. A mighty fortress is our God, and that one little word is Jesus. And that's what we need, and in Christ, we can resist, know our enemy, and act in our victory.